Thursday, July 18th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me, as always, is Jared Smola. And this episode is sponsored by MyFFPC.com. Jared, the FFPC is just about a week away from announcing early draft slots for the main event. That main event, of course, carries a $500,000 grand prize. You can draft at their live event in Las Vegas. You can draft online from the comfort of your own home. You can save a few hundred dollars by adding entries and taking advantage of their multi-team discount. And if you get your team or teams fully paid by this Monday, July 22nd, you will be eligible for the early draft slot announcement and will receive your FFPC main event draft position on Monday, July 29th, that's coming right up. Jared, what spot did you draft from when you did your FFPC main event? Hey, listen, I don't like to talk about my FFPC <laughs> main event. I, I believe I had the one pick. I know either way I ended up with David Johnson. That was the year that he went down in week one with the wrist thing. So my my main event season was over, uh, you know, ha- halfway into week one. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, we won't talk about that any further. I would imagine, though that if your first-round pick does not break his wrist in week one, that knowing about your draft spot ahead of time probably helps so that you can do as much prep as possible before this important draft. I mean, to me, besides the actual draft, the like most exciting part of every summer is finding out where you're going to be picking in your draft. Mm-hmm. So myffpc.com, myffpc.com. Check them out. Get your entries in so you can get your early draft slot. And then you can head over to draftsharks.com and get all your prep done. You'll be ready for that draft slot when the time comes around. Today, we're going to be talking draft, you know, for a change. We're starting training camps now. We're finding out who's going to be on the pup and who's not. And one such player is definitely going to come up here. I think it's time to check in on ADPs. We're going to talk about who's overvalued, who's undervalued, and some guys that have moved since kind of the beginning of draft season. Yeah, and I got to say, I need to start doing more drafts because, like, all these movers, like, guys are guys I like are moving up, guys I don't like are moving down. So, like, the, I feel like the ADP is getting more correct, you know, the, the closer we get to week one. I probably don't do enough of looking through the whole chart when I'm going from draft to draft and realizing who's making these moves. But yeah, it it made me want to enter a couple more best ball drafts right away as well so I can take advantage of some guys. We'll start at quarterback. We'll start with overvalued. And we mentioned it recently. I think Baker Mayfield at QB5 is a bit too high. We do have him at QB6 in our Mm -hmm. projections right now. That's higher than he is in my own projections. I, I don't think it's outlandish for Baker Mayfield to be in that range. I think he's capable of reaching the top five. But he's going to need to have a wonderful passing season to be the QB5. And it's just generally, I don't think, a good value bet to pick the fifth QB off the board. Yeah, and I just think he's priced pretty close to his ceiling. I'd be surprised if we look back... You know, at the end of the season and say, you know, Baker Mayfield was a league winner at this price. If he was going quarterback 10, then yeah, you'd have a chance to be a league winner. But at this price, you know, he's not going to add a ton with his legs. I think it's going to be tough for him to really crush value here. We always find players that we like or don't like. It's important to try to bake in a little bit of maybe I'm wrong on this player and think about how close a guy is to his ceiling mm-hmm. or floor as you're evaluating whether his draft position makes sense. Who you got for an overvalued QB? Well, let's go even higher up the board to Patrick Mahomes as the first quarterback off the board going in the early fourth round. I think 
he, he's going to have to repeat what he did last year to pay off that price tag, and I think you have to expect some regression for him after he threw the eighth most passing yards in NFL history, the second most passing touchdowns. So 10 other quarterbacks have topped 5,000 yards in NFL history. One of those guys was Big Ben, so throwing him and Mahomes out. All of the other eight guys declined in passing yards the following year. The average decline was by 473 yards. And then again, the touchdowns, you know, 50 touchdowns, that's only been done two other times. You have to expect those numbers to come down. So, And I think the biggest argument for avoiding Mahomes where he's going is if you want to go quarterback early, Deshaun Watson's going two rounds earlier. I think he has just as much upside this season. Mm, two rounds later, you mean? Two right? rounds later, yep. Yeah, I mean, I, I will say I think it's uh, – I'm mildly impressed with drafters to this <laughs> point that after this enormous season that Patrick Mahomes had as a first-time starter, he, he was obviously going to be the first quarterback taken. The fact that he's in round four right now is decent restraint, I think. And really, he could climb well beyond that, like higher than that, when we get to more home leagues yeah. and, you know, playing lineup setting and away from best ball where QBs are going to be depressed a little bit. Right, more. I mean, 10 years ago, Patrick Mahomes would have been the number one overall pick in, <laughs> right. in drafts this summer. So, yeah, so prop, props to drafters for, for wising up to that. Drew Brees is down a little bit, QB6 at the beginning of May. These are All these ADP numbers are from um, draft.com, by the way. Drew Brees was QB6 at the beginning of May. Now he's down to QB9 as of the past week. I still think that's a little too high overall. We have Drew Brees at QB16. I'm not upset at this point to see other people take him. I watched him go for $5 in, in an auction the other day, a slow auction. And although I think that'll prove to be a valuable pick, we're at the point where I am not upset to see somebody else get Drew Brees at good value. I will say that as we get into lineup setting leagues, there will be more value to Drew Brees if you draft him as half of a platoon and mm-hmm. play him at home and play somebody else when Drew Brees is on the road. Because last year, home Brees was QB2 in fantasy points per game. Like if you took his points per game from just the home games and compared them to everybody's numbers for the season, QB2. Road games, QB 28. Yeah, and that's been the story with Breeze for a while, so I think we can sort of safely project that to be the case again in 2019. My, my problem with even in lineup setting leagues is if I'm drafting a quarterback at quarterback 9, I don't want to be using him only half the weeks. I want him to maybe not be my you know, every week starter, but at least you know, 75 80% of the time I want to be trusting that guy as my, as my starter. So I think he's overvalued at quarterback 9. Mm-hmm. I'm with you there. It's also, remember, he's 40 years old now. Um, so the decline has to be, you know, coming soon. And maybe we saw the start of it last year. Over his first 11 games last season, Breeze averaged 285 yards, 2.6 touchdowns per game, 8.8 yards per attempt. Over his final six games, that included two playoff games, 235 yards, 1.2 touchdowns per game, and his yards per attempt dropped from 8.8 to 6.7. And I'm not sure that their wide receiver core has gotten any better versus uh, last year's Jared Cook helps at tight end, but you know it's not like they're suddenly awash in wideouts this season either. Yeah, they need Traquan Smith to take a step forward. On the undervalued side, before we get to specific players, you could build a quarterback core, you know, two quarterbacks, three quarterbacks, depending on what you're looking to do, just from the guys going from QB 19 to QB 26. <laughs> that group is Phillip Rivers, Kirk Cousins, Jimmy Garoppolo, Tom Brady, Derek Carr, Sam Darnold, Matt Stafford, Andy Dalton. I'm not going to be the one taking Darnold or Stafford in that group, but otherwise, I mean, that's 
six quarterbacks that I could put together and have a decent run at the position, including a few guys that could crack the top 12. Yep, I completely agree. And I think I think it makes even more sense in best leagues when you're not having to try to guess at matchups every week. Exactly. I want to start with Philip Rivers and undervalued because it's, it's his place. I mean, they should just put his name over the doorway into overval- undervalued hallway. I, I think he's having a child for every year <laughs> that he's undervalued in fantasy drafts. Down around even compared with the beginning of May, he is QB six. Well, no, he started out at QB sixteen. Now he's QB nineteen. He's going in the middle of round twelve. And Philip Rivers, by the way, has finished six straight seasons among the top eleven fantasy quarterbacks. Yeah, and he, I would tend to think that you know if, if Melvin Gordon actually misses games, that I think it would actually help Philip Rivers because I think Austin Eckler is a you know just as good a pass catcher as Gordon, if not better, and it would probably even boost Rivers' volume. Um, who you have for an undervalued QB? Uh, I'm starting with Cam Newton at quarterback 10, and I, I know the, the concerns are with the shoulder. It's something I'll be watching over the next month, but everything we've heard so far has been positive. He's already resumed throwing, and if Cam's healthy, he, he's going to beat quarterback 10. Um, he was sitting quarterback 5 through his 10 healthy games last year. He finishes a top 6 fantasy quarterback in 5 of his first 7 NFL seasons. So you know, he's basically been a top 6 quarterback 75% of the time, You know, 6 of 8 seasons so far. And I think, and this is Probably arguable, but I think he has the best pass-catching core of his career right now heading into 2019. Yeah, and he has actually already come up some in ADP. QB 12 in early May, QB 10 now. I think as we get into training camp, if he's healthy and all sounds good, we could see him continue to rise. I agree that there's still plenty of value in Cam Newton right now. I would say get some pieces right now before he does rise higher because not only has he climbed, but uh, DJ Moore has climbed a bit. Curtis Samuel is way up. Um, Greg Olson is up a little bit. We'll get to the specific numbers on those guys in a few minutes, but yeah, a, a good target. Dak Prescott, I think, is another good target. Up from QB 17 to QB 14, but... In terms of overall ADP, that's just he's moved just a like half a round up. Still early round eleven, and at QB fourteen, Dak Prescott is still below where he has finished every season so far. QB twelve last year in total points. QB eleven the season before that. QB seven as a rookie. We saw the numbers get bigger with Amari Cooper last year. We saw the, the Cowboys pass more, and now they have a new offensive coordinator, former quarterback and quarterback's coach, Kellen Moore. So we could see more passing in Dallas going forward. I, I just think it's a nice time yeah. to buy Dak Prescott, especially since he's still not going in starter range. Yeah, and I still have Michael Gallup. I think he you know, could break out this season. Not a guy I've been drafting a ton. He's just another reason to, to grab Dak Prescott, and you can sort of get some piece of Gallup by, by drafting Dak. Who else you got in undervalued? Mitchu Trubisky at quarterback 18. He finished quarterback 13 in points per game last year, which, remember, it was his first full season as a starter. And I had almost forgot that he he missed time late-ish in the season with a shoulder injury. I think it was, you know, week 12, 13. Through week 10, before that injury, he was sitting 7th among quarterbacks in fantasy points. He returns to the same offense this season. His top five target getters are all back from last year. The Bears also return all five of their offensive line starters. So it's just an offense that I sort of – want to buy this season tough to know which skill position guys to to get a piece of but I think just grabbing Trubisky you kind of you kind of soak all of it up and he's sitting right behind Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen right now to me Trubisky is a reason not to draft Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen because it's easier to see a step forward for him and he's already delivered a bit more than those other guys have done because Jackson and Allen are both run 
production heavy yeah. in what they've supplied for fantasy owners so far. So, uh, yeah, for me, I don't know that I would rank Trubisky a whole lot higher, but he's a guy that I look at on the board and say, I don't need to take one yet because he's still there. I feel like when we get into lineup setting leagues, I, I'd feel much more comfortable with Trubisky in my starting lineup every week than, than Jackson and Allen. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, some movers at quarterback before we move to the next position. Carson Wentz is up from QB 13 to QB 8, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So if you're a Carson Wentz fan... A reason to get it on early drafting. You could have gotten him at a good price before he moved. Up a little bit more than a round in overall ADP, early round nine. I still think that Carson Wentz is yep. in play there. Yeah, I still like him there. I mean, obviously not as big a value as he was, but I think he's he's still a bit underpriced at quarterback eight. Yeah, For me, he's ahead of Baker Mayfield in preseason projections, and I think that Carson Wentz's ceiling reaches into the top three at the position. What's Baker's edge over Wentz, I guess, would be my question. Odell Beckham, probably. True. That, and that's, that's it. Better, and otherwise, yeah. I think it's Carson Wentz brings rushing and probably a wider array of options in his offense. Yeah, I mean, we've just seen it a bit longer from him than we have from Baker. Right. Kyler Murray is up from QB mm. 10 to QB 7, unfortunately. Mid-round 8. I'm not ignoring him there, but right. it's tough to pick him there. Yeah, I think I'm about out on Kyler at that price. Mm-hmm. Um, he could beat it, but I think... Yeah, quarterback seven, not factoring in enough of the risk of the fact that, you know, he's a rookie quarterback who only started one season in college. Mm -hmm. And then Russell Wilson, the last mover, I got down from QB eight to QB 12. And I think that puts him back in the picture from a point where I was not drafting him to a point where I will take Russell Wilson, especially if it's several rounds after Kyler Murray. Yeah, I think he's okay there. He still probably have to drop, you know, a few more spots among quarterbacks for me to be interested. But yeah, like I said, I mean, all three of these guys, I think these moves are in the correct direction for all three of them. Yep. Russell Wilson's fantasy finishes to date, by the way, QB 11 as a rookie, then QB 9, QB 5, QB 3, QB 11, QB 1, and QB 9 last year. So outperformed that QB 12 every season of his career so far. Over to running backs now. And overvalued, for me, I think you have to start with Damian Williams <laughs> jumping from running back 16 in early May to running back 11. He is now in the first half of round two. Yeah, and I, I still struggle with Williams. I mean, he, he could finish as high as running back 11. He, he could. If he if, if he captures the role that Kareem Hunt was playing last season, he could finish even higher than that. I still think there's risk in a guy that, you know, has really never been the lead guy for more than a you know four or five-game stretch that we saw at the end of last season. So running back 16, I think, was, was the spot for Williams. I think running back 11, I'm out on him for now. Yeah, I mean, running back 16 made me uncomfortable, but I was like, all right, I can understand that if he does land the lead role and if he performs like Andy Reid running backs have. He was RB5 over the final five weeks of last season, Uh, But he did so while ranking 22nd in carries, tying with Kenneth Dixon in total carries over that span. He ranked 13th among running backs in targets over that span, tied with Chris Thompson behind Jamal Williams, just to give a little context. And Damian Williams caught 20 of his 21 targets in that range. That kind of efficiency is not going to happen again. And more importantly, he scored six total touchdowns on 67 total touches in that range. So I definitely see the upside. I think at RB11, we're talking drafting him at his ceiling, and there's just downside risk. And especially when you're taking him there at the top of round two, you're not only passing over other more proven running backs, you're passing over top-shelf wide receivers. Yep, yeah, and like you said, he was really fueled by the touchdowns over that late season run. And, you know, playing for the Chiefs, you you could argue he has a chance to score, you know, 14, 15 times this season. I do think if there's 
an area where Carlos Hyde might be a factor, it would be around the goal line. So we'll have to watch out for that in training camp over the next few weeks here. And, and besides Damian Williams carrying risk himself, that offense is almost certainly not sure. going to score this year the way that it did last year. Yep, exactly. Uh, all right, so who do you have for overvalued? Uh, Marlon Mack for me, who's at running back 14, and it's you know specifically for PPR leagues because my issue with Mack is the pass-catching upside, the pass-catching projection. So he averaged just 2.2 targets and 1.4 catches per game last season. That's a full-season pace of 35 catches, 20 or sorry, 35 targets, 22 catches. Those marks would have ranked 34th and 42nd among running backs. It's really tough for a running back to finish, you know, top 14 where Mac is going with that low level of passing game production. And it's not like Mac was good in the passing game either last year. Among 61 running backs with 20 plus targets, he ranked 59th in yards per target, 59th in yards per route run. So I'm not sure. I don't think his passing game role is going to grow much this year from what we saw last. Marlon Mack's an easy fade for me in that range. I agree. Uh, David Montgomery is next on my list. He is up from running back 29 in early May, which was right after the NFL draft, to running back 22 right now. And there are people fighting each other to get him. So I wouldn't be surprised if he keeps climbing and gets into the end of round three. And it's uh, absurd, I think, at this point. Montgomery's up about a round and a half overall. He's going in the second half of round four. We have him at RB29 in PPR. I think that's a fair range. That's probably still a little higher even than he would be on my own personal board. But at the same time that David Montgomery's climbing, we've seen Tariq Cohen go down from running back 24 to 28, a little more, a little bit more than a round lower, end of round five. And Mike Davis is way down, about six and a half rounds compared with early May. He's going in early round 17. Uh, to me, Cohen and Davis are both easily better values than Montgomery, and Davis is probably the best value among the Bears running backs down at running back 64. Yeah, he might be, and I, I wish I could like David Montgomery because I like the player, but I agree he's overpriced right now. I think he, he, he'd need to capture like 90% of Jordan Howard's role from last year to pay off that price tag. and it, I guess it's possible, but I'm definitely not going to bet on that. I don't think it's the most likely outcome. Yeah, I certainly think he's going to beat Mike Davis in touches, but I don't think he's going to dominate, and I don't think he's going to come in and get exactly what Jordan Howard left behind. Right. Um, what do you have anything else for overvalued? No, that'll be it. I mean, I, I've I've bashed Philip Lindsay enough, so we'll you know, we'll, <laughs> we'll leave that for another pod later in August, I'm sure. Similar thing with Daryl Henderson. We've mentioned him a lot, <laughs> yeah. but he's he's at RB31. He's 12 spots higher in running back ADP than early May. He's going just ahead of Lamar Miller, Latavius Murray, around ahead of Darius Geis. Uh, it's it's too high. Yep, too high. Undervalued. Um, who do you have first on that side? Just the third round right now, running backs, and, and specifically Aaron Jones, Devontae Freeman, Carrion Johnson. They're they're at running back seventeen through nineteen in ADP. I, I think it's a reason to maybe not pass on running back completely in the first two rounds, but definitely you don't have to feel like you need to start with two running backs this year because I think. The best value in the third round is at running back with these three guys. I think all three of them have three down potential. Two of them, Aaron Jones and Devontae Freeman, are in what I would guess will finish as top five offenses this season. So I think all three of these guys could easily finish the season as top 12 running backs. I mean, we'll see about the Green Bay offense. Am I, I've been trying to, to temper my expectation a little bit because we don't know what Matt LaFleur is going to look like as an yeah. OC yet. It didn't look pretty in Tennessee. It should be a lot better with Aaron Rodgers, but... You know, I think we need to allow some room for downside risk there. But I agree with all those players. And I do think that not only do you not need to take running backs in both of the first two rounds, you could 
pass on the position for each of the first two rounds if you like better what is there at you know wide out or if you want to take Travis Kelsey yep. and still and take one of those running backs in round three as your top running back and still get a solid running back two in the fourth or fifth, maybe even the sixth round. Exactly. I mean, you could start with something like Travis Kelsey and Julio Jones in the first two rounds and then, you know, grab Devontae Freeman as your running back one. I think that'd be a nice start. Yeah, and Devontae Freeman's actually down a little bit, uh, down about a half round in overall, a little bit less than a half round, but he's been passed by several players on the running back ADP board. Marlon Mack, Damian Williams, Aaron Jones all moved ahead of him. So he's running back 18 compared with running back 14 back in early May. For my undervalued guys, I focused on situations as opposed to specific players because I think a lot of times we let a lack of backfield clarity just make us push a whole backfield aside and Mm -hmm. forget about it. And then there's value in just taking a chance. Even if we don't know who's going to emerge as the top guy, there's value in taking the best bet or your favorite one or two of those guys and seeing what happens. And the first backfield that jumped out to me is Philadelphia. Uh, I was... Concerned about Miles Sanders' value early on because he was in the late 20s at running back and seemed like he was heading north. Missing spring workouts with an injury, I think, helped suppress his value. And he's down now from running back 30 back in early May to running back 35. He's down about a round and a half in overall ADP. And Jordan Howard is also down. So it's not that Howard has passed him. Howard was RB34 back then. He's RB39 right now, also about a round and a half later. So... You can take both of those guys, see what happens, potentially use both, see if one wins. I mean, last year, Wendell Smallwood was the top finishing Eagles fantasy back. Finished at running back 43 in PPR on just 87 carries and 28 catches. Yeah, I mean, it's an offense we want pieces of. I actually drafted Miles Sanders at running back 34 in my SFB draft. It's the first time I've drafted him all year. Um, I, th- I think that you know he he makes sense of this range because everyone in that territory has question marks. They're sharing the backfield, but I think Sanders, you know, with his talent and in that offense, he, he has the potential to be a top 20 running back. Right. We're at the point now where you can't just say that backfield's too crowded. I don't want him, or I don't know what their roles are going to be. There are a lot of teams now with crowded backfields, and we don't know what the roles are going to be. So don't forget about it, especially in an offense that could rank among the league's best. Yep. All right, who else you got? I like Chris Carson at running back 27. Um, it, I, I fully expect Rashad Penny's role to grow this season, but he, he could just take what Mike Davis left behind. Penny could take all that. Carson's role could remain the same. Um, he ranked seventh in the league last year with 247 carries, and that came in just 14 games. And Chris Carson was just really good last year. He, 4.7 yards per carry, 10th among 47 running backs in elusive rating, ninth among those 47 in PFF's rushing grades. So, you know, We'll see about the knee surgery that Carson underwent. Um, you know, if he's sidelined into August, we'll have to reevaluate. But as long as he's healthy, I think Carson's volume should remain pretty similar to what it was last year when he easily finishes a top 20 running back. So I think a running back, a running back 27, he's he's a strong value. Yeah, the running back, the the knee injury is the one thing that has me a little concerned right now. But he's in a range where that's cooked into it, and you can take Carson and Rashad Penny in back-to-back rounds. You yeah. know, we were talking about a minute ago. If you don't go running back early, take one of those third-round guys, take Carson in the fifth, take Penny in the sixth. They yeah. might be getting a little late to get Penny at that level, but, I mean, you could end up with a terrific backfield. Yeah, that's one of the few backfields where you could have two weekly starters at running back. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bills are another situation where I, I cringe even typing it and <laughs> talking about it, but 
I mean, their first running back off the board in ADP is LaShawn McCoy, and he is now running back 43. He's down about a round and a half versus where he was in May. He's going in the middle of round 10. He is the best bet to lead that backfield in touches. There's more competition. Frank Gore is there now. He was getting first-team touches. Devin Singletary was getting some first-team touches in the spring. But at running back 43, you're not betting on LaShawn McCoy to be a weekly starter. You're just saying, all right, I'll take him in case he is better than he was last year. And even in McCoy's terrible season last year, his worst season as a starter, he finished RB39 in PPR points. So, I mean... It's just it, it's kind of it's kind of a free pick. It's a little early in the draft to call it that, but as far as running backs go, it's kind of a free shot. Yeah, I, I can't argue against the guys at those prices. That I'm still not going to draft them um, just because I don't want to, and it's, it's my fantasy team basically. But <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I can't argue against them. The concern would be is if you know three of these guys are involved every mm-hmm. week, and sort of none of them has fa- any fantasy value. Oh yeah, and if you don't want McCoy that early. Um, you could take Devin Singletary in the middle of round 14. You could take Frank Gore at the very end. His ADP yeah. is late round 18, which means he's not always getting drafted. And maybe that's the way to go. You know, if you're if you're like, yeah, I agree that there's that somebody's gonna be worth something there. I don't know who it is. Take Frank Gore at the very end of the draft yeah. because we know that he's durable. We know that he produces when he's on the field. And we know that the Bills signed him before they got right. Singletary, before they got yelled, and they wanted Frank Gore. Yeah. I would say Singletary is the one guy I would consider. He'd have to drop probably farther than, you know, his 14th round ADP. But I, I just like him as a player, so I might consider him if he gets, you know, the very last round of a draft. Mm-hmm. Who else you got for undervalued? My last guy is Lamar Miller, and it's, you know, sort of like those Bills guys. Super boring. I'm not going to win your fantasy league, but I think a really strong bet to outperform his running back 32 ADP. He finished running back 23 last year, despite scoring just six touchdowns. I think he he, he has he has double digit touchdown upside in this offense. I think the Texans offense should be good again this season. Um, the concern is Dante Foreman. We'll see about him. Um, I think though, even if Miller and Foreman were to split the rushing workload, I think Miller is a good bet to remain the primary pass catching back. And even I think that would be enough to make him at least return value on his running back 32 ADP. And like I said with the Eagles, or similar to what I said, you can get Dante Foreman. He's not that highly priced either. You can get him in in round 9 or round 10. I would recommend if you did take Miller and he's even close to your starting picture, you go ahead and take Foreman around ahead of ADP, as long as it doesn't throw off any other picks on your board. Yeah, that makes sense. Again, I think it's it's another backfield we probably want a piece of because I think the Texans' offense is going to score quite a bit this year. Right. Uh, on to the movers, and the Patriots' backfield is interesting to look at. The Sony Michelle is down because he's been dealing with another knee thing, and it sounds like he's expected to be back for training camp, so we could see some change, but he's down eight spots in running back ADP, down two full rounds in overall from the first half of round three, first half of round five. So at RB25, I think he's more interesting now than he was back earlier in the spring. Yep, and I actually took him right at RB25 in the Scott Fishbowl, which, you know, Michelle and Sanders, two guys. I don't think I drafted all all spring, and then I, I took them both in SFB. They're they're both I think okay at their at their current prices. Damian Harris, of course, is the thing that's working against Sony Michelle right now, at least on the hype train. He's up from running back fifty five just after the NFL draft to running back forty one, up more than four rounds overall, going late in round nine at this point. Which I think is fair um, right now, at least until we see Michelle back on the field and healthy. You know, we, the Patriots, the Patriots, and the Saints backfields are two that we can always count on to provide a ton of fantasy points. So, you know, Harris 
definitely has a shot if Michelle's knee's not right. Harris is is the favorite for those early down early down carries. And really, I think the forgotten guy at this point is Rex Burkhead. Mm-hmm. He's gone from RB fifty seven down to RB seventy two, three and a half rounds in overall ADP position, and he's basically going undrafted. So I mean, especially in best ball season. Maybe I, I feel like maybe I should add in a few Rex Burkhead yeah. shares. Yeah, that price again in the Patriots backfield. Why not? Darius Geis is down seven spots in running back ADP, down about two and a half rounds overall from early round five to late round seven. I think I still need to see him in training camp yeah. before I'm on board, though. Yeah, I'm more interested in Adrian Peterson right now, as crazy as that sounds. <laughs> it does sound crazy. <laughs> Jarek McKinnon, people have wised up on a bit, running back 36 down to running back 45. He's going end of round 10. I'm still not currently interested. He's, he's back on the radar for me at, at, at that price. I th- I'd still probably rather wait a bit longer just to take Matt Breda, but I think uh, McKinnon at running back 45 is at least at least on my radar. Tevin Coleman is up from running back 33 to running back 29, so not a huge move, yeah. but a little bit higher. I'm still more interested in him than McKinnon, but I think Breda at all of their prices is probably yeah. the most interesting to me. Yeah, I, I just rank them in opposite order of ADP, Breda, McKinnon, Coleman. Coleman's in the sixth round now. That's That's too pricey for me. Austin Eckler is up from running back 44 to 36, up two full rounds with the Melvin Gordon holdout scare. I mean, if I'm drafting right now, I'm going to assume that Melvin Gordon's playing because I would have to think that you watch what Le'Veon Bell did last year, watch him miss an entire season of earning money for playing football, and think, I'll push this as far as I can go, but I'm going to play. Yeah, I mean, I would still bet on Gordon being there week one, and yeah, I... Running back 36 is okay for Eckler, but this ADP is including, you know, what, about a week before we learned anything about the Melvin Gordon news. I think Eckler is going to be, you know, well into the 20s in ADP if you're doing a draft now, and I think that's that's too expensive. And I think he's going to be volatile. There will be, there will be drafts where he's RB25. Yeah. There will be drafts where he's RB38, uh, and, and we'll see. Justin Jackson also up nearly four rounds, still running back 58, so a, a late consideration. I have seen some people say – that Austin Eckler is not the guy to buy when Melvin Gordon is out. First of all, I don't think that we really can judge that yet because we've had three games yeah. last year of Austin Eckler with no Melvin Gordon. In those three games, Eckler had 19, 21, and 20 opportunities. So I'm going to say that, yeah, Austin Eckler is a guy to buy if Melvin Gordon's out. I think I think he's going to be the, the better you know fantasy bat if Gordon's out. But I think of these prices, I think I'd probably rather take a shot on Jackson in the you know running back 50 range than Eckler up in the 30s. I mean, I can see that. But they're, I do think they'll both get touches. But mm-hmm. I think it's going to be Austin Eckler first yep. and Justin Jackson also involved and not making an even split. Yep. Uh, Peyton Barber is up about two full rounds, running back 53 to 46. So even though Ronald Jones is the leader ADP-wise, people are more interested in Peyton Barber. And there are some folks saying that Peyton Barber is undervalued there. That's right about where he finished in PPR last year. <laughs> exactly, though. despite finishing, what, like top 20 among running backs in touches. Right. I, I, and he was eighth in carries. Yeah, I, I can honestly say I haven't considered drafting a Bucks running back so far. Yeah, I think I might have taken a Peyton Barber share at some point just to get it in there, but... <laughs> Not a target. Uh, Kenyon Drake, by the way, up just less than a round, but seven spots in running back ADP from running back 28 to running back 21. Yeah, no longer a big value. I think running back 21 is fair. Yeah, it's still in play. Wide receivers, overvalued. What you got first? I'm going to start with Kenny Galladay and another case where I love the player, but just the, the, the numbers don't work out for him at wide receiver 20. Um, so Galladay did rank 17th among wide receivers in PPR points over the final six games of last season. 
But that was without Marvin Jones and Golden Tate. Uh, Galladay saw a 30% target share in those six games. Over the first nine games, which you know Jones and Tate played, um, or at least played most of, Galladay was just 30th in PPR points on an 18% target share. I think he'll, he'll he'll settle between those two marks. I just think you know at wide receiver 20 in this run-heavy offense with Marvin Jones back, I mean, he's going to have to be super efficient or score a bunch of TDs to, to pay off at that price. Yeah, I, I think he can finish there, but I don't think there's a ton of upside from that spot. And there is downside, especially in an offense that we expect to run the ball a lot more. Yep. Overvalued Calvin Ridley, wide receiver 23. Uh, just hit repeat on that one. Wide receiver 32 in PPR. In our rankings, wide receiver 31 in non-PPR, so obviously we're lower on him regardless of format. Tied for sixth in touchdown catches last year, tied for 68th in red zone targets. The touchdowns are coming down. Will the targets go up? I don't know, but we, as we talked about back on the NFC South podcast, it's tough to see those targets taking a huge exactly. leap with Mohamed Sanu still in the way. I, I love hearing you talk talk bad about Calvin Ridley. <laughs> it sounds so good. <laughs> All right, what else do you got on the um, overvalue I'll, I'll do the Mike Williams honors here. Yeah. Um, up to wide receiver 22, and I, 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 can't, I can't even explain it, honestly. <laughs> he doesn't have the I words. Mean, yeah, he, he, he's going to see more targets this season. Tyrell Williams is gone. But Williams only leaves behind 65 targets. I think most people think William Tyrell Williams saw more last year. So 65 targets up for grabs. Mike Williams isn't going to get all of those. Hunter Henry is coming back. He's going to soak up a bunch of those. Um, you know, we have Mike Williams projected right now for 90 targets. That's 48th among wide receivers. Um, it's going to be tough to finish. You know, wide receiver 22 if you're if you're 48th in targets. Yeah, and this is not a pass-heavy team. It has been at times in the past, but it's not right now, and it certainly wasn't last season. It might be trending away from passing even as much as it did a couple years ago. Yeah, assuming Gordon's back. I mean, I mean, I'm sure Williams will probably get a slight boost up our rankings if you know Gordon's right. holdout is going to extend into the season. But he's not going to get up to wide receiver 22. I can no, guarantee you that. Not anywhere close. Uh, I'm going to go much further down the rankings. And DK Metcalf has fallen since the beginning of May, which he should have. But still at wide receiver 51, I think that's still too high. And, you know, with a lot of players, I'm going to say, if you want to take, whoever you want to take at that level is fine. The fourth receiver, a rookie from the end of round two in Seattle is not, it's not fine. Don't, yeah. don't do that. Um, he's <laughs> down about a round and a half, still in the middle of round 11. David Moore on his own team is a better bet in fantasy this year. David Moore was a quasi-starter last year, one of the top three receivers for Seattle by the end of the season. He's up in wide receiver ADP, but still just wide receiver 73. He's a starter right now. David Moore is being talked about uh, as being able to now play multiple, multiple positions after they basically just asked him to be a deep guy last year. And, you know, again, he's going rounds after Metcalf. You can mm-hmm. like Metcalf long-term, but I I don't think he's in my 2019 fantasy picture at all. He's not for me at these price tags. And I, I get the argument. He's a, you know... He's an athletic guy joining this efficient passing offense, but I think a lot will have to go right for Metcalf to pay off that price tag this season. Yeah, we'll see. First off, if he can work his way past either David Moore or Jerron Brown, which is the more likely guy to pass in training camp. But, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens there. And there's also Gary Jennings, who hasn't practiced yet, who was drafted this year, and John Ursua, who is a seventh-rounder, I believe, that might also factor into the yep. playing time mix. Yeah, and I, I would bet on Metcalf finishing second on this team in targets this season. But it's also it's also been a while since the Seahawks, you know, supported two 
weekly fantasy stars at wide out. I wouldn't even bet on Metcalf ranking no. second among the Seahawks and targets this year. We got David Moore. Don't don't tell me Jerome Brown. It's not Jerome Brown. No, no. I would say David Moore is a better bet. Right. I, I I think Rashad Penny and DK Metcalf have similar target outlooks in terms of total targets. Yeah, yeah it could be for what we could hope to get for DK Metcalf. Yep. All right. You got any more overvalued? No, let's go undervalued. Undervalued, what you got? I'm going to start with A.J. Green. Um, he's going wide receiver 13, which isn't too far off, you know, where we have him ranked. But going in the late third round, I just I just, I like I like the feeling of getting A.J. Green in the late third round. Um, you know, weeks one through eight last year before the injuries, he was seventh among all wide receivers in PPR points per game. He also ranked seventh among 79 qualifying wideouts in Yards per route run, he was 12th in PFF's receiving grade. So the guy, the guy's still one of the better wide receivers in the NFL. He's still, you know, the clear number one wide receiver on his team. So I think in the in the third round, getting AJ Green feels good. Yeah, and his teammate is on my list, Tyler Boyd at wide receiver 29, finished last season top 16 across formats despite losing his quarterback for his last few games. And as we mentioned on the AFC North podcast, which I was, I believe was just a week ago. Boyd's target share was actually slightly higher with A.J. Green in the lineup than without A.J. Green, so getting a healthy A.J. Green back is absolutely not a concern for Boyd. We'll see what the new offense looks like. I doubt that it's going to be worse than the last version of it, Mm -hmm. and Boyd looks like a player on the rise who is not getting the bump from last year's numbers that somebody like Mike Williams is getting. Yep, I'm not sure why he's not. The price tag doesn't really make sense on Boyd. I agree. Who else you got? Uh, Alshon Jeffrey, wide receiver 32. And I don't I don't love Jeffrey. It's crowded there. Um, I have some concerns about him as a player and his ability to stay healthy. But he's also he, he finished 23rd among receivers in PPR points in 2017. He was also 23rd in PPR points per game this past season. And now he's going at wide receiver 32. I still think Jeffrey is a strong bet to lead Eagles wide receivers and targets. Um, and I, I think Deshaun Jackson is going to help this entire passing game, maybe you know make all these guys more efficient. Yeah, Jeffrey is especially a good best ball bet where you're because he's going to have volatile weeks and the, he's he's not going to be a 140 target guy like some other number one receivers but even when you're setting your lineup there's room for that at your wide receiver three spot the guy who's going to be volatile because the volatility not only means you'll get frustrating weeks but it also means you can get some weak winning weeks yeah and again i think the eagles just an offense we want to get a piece of and you know getting the likely number one wide receiver on the Eagles at a wide receiver 32 price. You know, that that just makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Who else you got on the individual level? Tyrell Williams. I think he might be the most undervalued player in all of fantasy football right yeah. now. He's going at wide receiver 54. I mean, we have him ranked about 20 spots higher than that. First of all, I think the guy's good. He, he was efficient with the Chargers. He's sixth in yards per catch and fifth in yards per target among 68 wide receivers with 100 plus catches over the past three years so he was efficient still just 27 years old so he's really you know just in the thick of his prime um, the Raiders gave him a big contract he's getting paid as a top 20 wide receiver I think you look at their depth chart he's the clear number two guy there there's really no threat for that and the Raiders have really nothing proven at tight end so you know that number two wide receiver could see a bigger target share than average um so i think williams you know a good bet for 100 targets i think he's going to be above average efficiency so wide receiver 54 just doesn't make any sense yeah tyrell williams should be a wide receiver three in total points by the end of the season at 27 he might not even be in his prime yet we might not have seen the best tyrell williams yet and we mentioned it on a previous show I think it's a step down overall QB-wise from Phillip Rivers to Derek Carr, but Derek Carr has been comparable to Phillip Rivers in terms of deep ball throwing yep. uh, so far in his career. So 
I'm not docking Tyrell Williams points for the move to the Raiders either. And we've also seen Tyrell Williams in a pretty big role already. He did top 100 targets one year with the Chargers and finished that year as a top 20 wideout. Yeah, when Keenan Allen missed almost the entire season. I want to mention the Bills receivers too, and <laughs> I, I've you know spent some time talking them down, but like with the running backs, it's not a matter of saying, I like this guy, I think this is a great situation, but their top wide receiver in ADP, John Brown, is down to wide receiver 61. He is early in round 14. Somebody's going to lead the Bills in targets. Somebody is going to score some fantasy points, even if Josh Allen stinks. John Brown at wide receiver 61. Robert Foster is up 10 spots among wide receivers, and he's still just at wide receiver 67. Zay Jones is at wide receiver 78. So whoever is your favorite among Mm -hmm. those, take a shot at one of those guys and see what happens. And if nothing happens with the one that you pick, you're not losing anything. Yep, I'm I'm with you here, actually. I wasn't with you on the running backs, but I like (laughs) like John Brown and Robert Foster especially. And it's really... I'd say best ball leagues only. So I think now's the time, you know, if you're doing these best ball drafts is, is the time to take them. Cause I do think they're both those big play guys. And if there's, you know, one thing Josh Allen can do, it's get the ball downfield. So I think, I think they, they fit well with what Allen does. I would certainly say, especially in best ball, but also when we get into lineup setting, I think if you can get into round 14 plus, and I, I think that you want to look for wide receivers who have a shot to lead their team in targets. If you can get that kind of player at that level of your draft, I think it's a win. Yep. Um, Movers at wide receiver, who you got? Uh, Again, a couple guys that I know we like. The biggest one, Curtis Samuel. Uh, He was wide receiver 51 back in May. Those Those were good times. He's up to wide receiver 38 now. In the eighth round, he's okay there. He's no longer a big value. I mean, I struggle now who I like more, Samuel in the eighth or DJ Moore in the fifth. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad I got on Curtis Samuel then. I'm glad I traded for him in Dynasty. Mm-hmm. I was surprised today to see how much he climbed. Three and a half rounds, 13 spots in wide receiver ADP. It's unfortunate, but oh well. Uh, DJ Moore also up slightly from wide receiver 27 to 24, nearly a round in overall ADP. Tyreek Hill, not surprisingly, has made a big jump. Was wide receiver 34 at the beginning of May. That was right as the stuff uh, was coming out. The recording came out. Now he's wide receiver 16. He's going early in round four, up four rounds overall. As we get into training camp, if we get definitive word there won't be a suspension, or even just as we get further along with no action, I wouldn't be surprised if he climbs further. So I think it's time to go ahead and get some Tyreek Hill now in best ball if you're interested in doing so at all. Yeah, I think if he's suspended two games, then I think you're probably getting a, a value on him at wide receiver 16, four games. You know, I think you know he, he can he can return decent value. So and, and I think at this point it sounds like you know we're looking at something between two and four games. And I, it's still possible we get nothing, I think, at this point. Yeah, if, possible. I think sure. if it were going to be a big suspension, it would have happened already because yep. they would have wanted to take this bold stance against him. But I, I, I agree. At this point, I think it's small or nothing. Yep, uh, a few other movers I have. Uh, Marcus Valdez-Scantling up from wide receiver 65 to wide receiver 40, which I think wide receiver 40 is fair. He's going mm-hmm. in the eighth round, so I think yeah, that's a fair price. Yeah, six and a half rounds up the yeah, ADP yeah, board. Huge move. Devin Funchess is a big faller, and I'm not sure why. He went from wide receiver 37 to wide receiver 52. He's a guy I've been, I've been drafting a lot of lately. Paris Campbell hype is the reason. I got it, but I, I feel like Funchess has been getting just as much hype as Campbell in uh, in spring yeah, I mean, I think people started out more excited about a faster guy, and nobody really likes Devin Funches. So when you have a reason to dislike Devin Funches, it makes it easier to push him down. I'll take all the Devin Funches. Yeah, I'll, I'll take him too. Paris Campbell's going just behind him, but he's up about two rounds, uh, whereas Devin Funches is way down, as you mentioned. 
And also among Packers, Geronimo Allison is also up. He's still slightly ahead of Marquez Valdez-Scantling. They're right at the same spot now. Basically, Allison's at 39. Uh, MVS is at wide receiver 40. Uh, and in the same range, Christian Kirk is also up from wide receiver 39 in May to wide receiver 30, up about two and a half rounds. I'm still interested in that level. Yep. You know, it would have been nicer to get him at the lower level, but I do still think that Christian Kirk has upside beyond that spot. Yeah, I'm not sure any player is hyped up more this spring than than Christian Kirk. Down the board, Jarvis Landry has dropped yeah. down 10 spots, and I don't know if we really got into that last time. We mentioned that he's going in wide receiver three territory, but he's down from wide receiver 22 to 32, a round and a half overall early round seven. That is half PPR, so maybe he'll be higher in full PPR drafts, mm-hmm. but I kind of doubt it. Yeah, I think wide receiver 32 is more than fair. I'll be interested in Landry at that price. And Emmanuel Sanders has tumbled down the board. Wide receiver 40 in May, which was bad, I thought. And down to wide receiver 63, a little more than five rounds. And he would still be a hands-off player for me, except that we found out this week from GM John Elway that Emmanuel Sanders is not going to start training camp on the pup list. That means he's not going to start the regular season on the pup list. So... I got to say, now I'm interested. I'm interested at that price. Um, I think we might have to start thinking about moving him up our rankings. He's not doing team drills to start camp, but he is doing individual stuff. There were a few videos out there on Twitter today of him looking surprisingly good for a guy who, you know, tore his Achilles seven months ago. So, yeah, I think at wide receiver 63, Sanders is definitely on my my list of possibilities. I mean, if he starts the season healthy in the lineup, he should lead that team in targets. Yeah, we'll talk about what that means for Deshaun Hamilton, too. I'm not sure what that wide receiver core is going to look like if Sanders is is ready to go. Deshaun Hamilton up a bit as well, but uh, still at the the round 13-14 turn. So an okay shot to take in best ball right now. Tight end, what you got for overvalue? Let's talk, talk Mark Andrews. I know he's on both <laughs> of our lists here. He is up to tight end twelve, which I, I did not Ridiculous. realize. I was looking at this 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 morning. I mean, he he was at wide receiver, or he was at tight end twenty two. I think it was um, back in May, he, which was fine there. But at tight end twelve, I, I I just don't get it. I mean, the the sixteen point two yards per catch, eleven point zero yards per target. That that's coming down. I don't think anyone's going to argue that. So it basically comes down to volume. Um, I just I don't think Andrews is going to get enough of it in this. Ravens offense we know it's going to be run heavy we know Hayden Hurst is still around if if Hayden Hurst just wasn't there I would be okay with Mark Andrews at tight end 12 but in the 12 games Andrews and Hurst played together last season targets were 37 to 23 in favor of Andrews that's basically a 60 to 40 split so we're talking about you know a a guy seeing 60 percent of the tight end targets on a run heavy offense with shaky quarterback play I think it's it's tough to see Andrews paying off that price tag. I honestly I, I don't get it at all. I think that's I think he's one of the worst values at any position because I don't know what you get excited about to get Mark Andrews up to tight end twelve. Even if you say Hayden Hurst is always going to be a bust, he's not going to do anything. Ignoring that, are you excited about Mark Andrews' target count because he's in what's probably going to be the NFL's most run heavy offense with a quarterback who has to prove that he can actually throw the ball? Are you excited about his touchdowns? This is going to be a run-heavy offense. I, you know, I think I guess the thing that you stick with in arguing in his favor is that their wide receivers stink. Yep. But I mean, that's not going to mean 130 targets for him, right? And I, I think Andrews is a nice player. I don't think he's an elite player that's going to you know be super super efficient like he was last year. You know, a lot of his damage last year came on two or three. Really long catches, and we're not counting on those. The guy hit double-digit PPR points twice last year, and only one of those was 11 points or more. So you get somebody like Mike Williams where they're coming off this huge touchdown season. I can get how some people just stay excited. 
I'm, I don't I don't understand what gets that many people that excited we, about Mark Andrews. We got to get Kevin on the podcast because he's an Andrews guy. Um, so <laughs> everyone so. everyone tweet it. Tweet at Kevin and get him on yeah. to, to talk Andrews with us. Please do, because I just listened to his argument a little bit a little bit ago and it didn't it didn't move me. Anybody who else you got? Anybody anybody in oh, overvalued? Uh no, that was it for overvalued for me. Just Mark Andrews. All right. Undervalued, what you got? Uh, I'll start with Austin Hooper, who's at tight end eleven after finishing at tight end six last year. You know, that wasn't with any injuries to Julio Jones or Mohamed Sanu or Calvin Ridley, so yeah, it's crowded, but that, you know, Hooper was able to see enough volume last year to finish tight end six. I think it's going to be a pass-heavy offense again this year, so I think the volume should remain the same. He also scored on just 5.6% of his catches last year. That's a pretty low touchdown rate. I know you've talked about you know the red zone opportunities coming his way, so I think you know he could easily score another two or three times this season. Yeah, laid out the full case for his positive touchdown regression on the uh, NFC South podcast, so check that one out. Uh, the Dirk Cutter's arrival would seem to help in that area. I guess... I wouldn't call Austin Hooper super undervalued at tight end 11, but uh, he's definitely been a regular target for me in that range. I think that his upside reaches into the top six. Yeah, he's the guy I've been targeting if I don't get one of the top six tight ends. Yeah, I'll throw out Jimmy Graham at tight end 18 because, as I've mentioned before, you don't even have to like him. You don't even have to expect a bounce back to see that as undervalue. He finished tight end 12 in PPR last year. He scored two touchdowns. I'm going to go ahead and bet the over on Jimmy Graham scoring twice this year. <laughs> Just the tight end 18 is a ridiculous price. Yeah. I can't imagine looking at a board, seeing Jimmy Graham still there, and clicking Mark Andrews. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> um, and Grant, no, Graham obviously passed his peak. No one's arguing that. But, you know, tight ends, we talk about it all the time. It's really It really comes down to touchdown production and just being – in that offense with Aaron Rodgers, I think you know he's a guy who could sort of quote unquote come out of nowhere and score seven or eight times this season. And then who's who's the last one that we got in this category? Jordan Reed. I know people are probably sick about hearing me talk about him every year, um, but I, I'm I'm back on the Jordan Reed train at tight end 22. There's not much risk there. Um, the guy finished tight end 14 last year. He was tight end 13 in points per game. Um, Reed finished as a top 12 tight end in five of his 13 games. You know, that, that might not sound like a you know huge percentage, but only 10 tight ends beat that rate last season, and three of those guys played four games or less. So, you know, as far as weekly reliability, you know, he, he was one of the 10, 10 best tight ends. So I think as long as he's healthy this season, he's a guy you can, you know, have in your starting lineup and feel pretty good about. If you look at Mark Andrews and get excited about him, Jordan <laughs> Reed is what you're hoping that Mark Andrews is going to be. The only thing that he has is the injury history mm-hmm. because Jordan Reed led last year's Washington team in targets despite missing three games. He is a good bet to do so again this year. He's playing with an unproven set of receivers and a set of receivers that might be bad. He's playing with a rookie quarterback, but... Would anybody be shocked if Dwayne Haskins is a better passer this year than Lamar Jackson? Nope. And he's playing under Jay Gruden. I'm going to go ahead and bet that Jay Gruden is a better coordinator for passing production and play calling than Greg Roman is for the Ravens. And I'm sure that the Ravens aren't even trying to (laughs) maximize the passing because they realize how built they are for rushing. I can't imagine, again, seeing Jordan Reed... Lasting that long on the board and thinking, oh, I'm taking Mark Andrews here, twelfth yep. among tight ends. Yeah, and again, Reed's gonna miss miss time very likely, but I'd feel good about you know him 
outscoring Andrews on a point-per-game basis this season. Yeah, draft Reed as a points-per-game guy, and, you know, when he goes down, get another tight end. It's not that difficult to do. Exactly. Or draft a second one if you're that inter- I mean, Jordan Reed's going way into oh, exactly, the tight end two yeah. territory, yeah, so exactly. you he is your one. second. Yeah, he is your second tight end. Or you could just wait and take him and take somebody else in that range and <laughs> be fine. Take Jimmy Graham at tight end 18 and Jordan Reed at 22, and then laugh at the people drafting Mark Andrews. Movers, who you got in the moving section? Um, so you know, interesting. We talk about these guys like in, in the four through six range, and it, it's OJ Howard, Hunter Henry, Evan Ingram. Um, so Howard has sort of gone from the sixth guy to the fourth guy. He's tight end four now. He's now going early fifth round. Um, yeah, I agree. It's a bit too early. I get, I get why people are excited about him, and he's a guy I want to get some shares of. Um, but I, I would rather wait a round or two and just take Ingram or Hunter Henry or wait, you know, five rounds and take Austin Hooper. Yeah, the excitement level on O.J. Howard, I understand. I disagree with it. I think you're taking him too early, um, but uh, I understand the excitement there. Who else you got? Um, moving down, Eric Ebron, which is the correct move for him. He's down to mm-hmm. tight end eight now, um, getting closer to where I'd consider picking him, but, you know, late seventh round. Um, again, I'd rather have Austin Hooper. Yeah, I won't argue with you taking him eighth among tight ends. I would have argued with you taking him fifth. Mm-hmm. I'm still not taking him right now, especially because he's coming off surgery. I want to see him healthy and see what the offense looks like with both of those guys back in the lineup. Uh, other movers... Uh, Chris Herndon's down about two and a half rounds, which is not surprising after he got the suspension. It's really kind of tough to draft a tight end that's going to miss the first few weeks. Yeah, I think you really can't draft him in lineup setting leagues because you don't want to be burning that bench spot. And then in best ball, I mean, taking his ear for four weeks is, is pretty tough. Right, and there's always there, there's a wide range of outcomes in that Jets offense anyway. We weren't drafting Chris Herndon because we thought he was a lock. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it was for the upside. Yep. TJ Hawkinson, Noah Fant, yeah. both first-round rookies, down seven spots in tight end ADP versus May, which I was a little surprised to see. Hawkinson's down from tight end 13 to tight end 20, going late in round 13. I think he's a solid pick in that range. And yep. then Fant's down from tight end 16 to 23. I'm not so interested in him for 2019, but I can't argue with him at that range. Yeah, and, and we know that rookie tight ends rarely produce, but you know these are two of the better, I think, pass-catching tight end prospects we've seen in recent memory. Um, and at those prices, I think they, they make sense to take some shots on. Mm-hmm. And interesting, we'll, we'll close out with the Panthers tight ends. Uh, Ian Thomas was just ahead of Greg Olson back in early May. Mm-hmm. They've flipped. Olson is up about two rounds. Thomas is down about two rounds. Olson's still just a tight end 21, so I can't argue with taking a shot on him there. Thomas down at tight end 30. I think both of those are fair levels. Yeah. I'm not super interested on either one. I would be more interested in Ian Thomas if... We had some negative reports on Greg Olson at this stage. Yeah, I think if you take Olson in your league as deep enough, that might be a spot where it actually makes some sense to sort of handcuff him with Ian Thomas because Thomas produced well in the games Olson missed last season. Mm-hmm. And certainly if we're talking about formats like FFPC where it's tight end premium and exactly. more yep. of those guys get drafted yep. and played. All right, that's going to do it for this late July ADP check. Head over to DraftSharks.com now if you want to dig further into the ADP numbers. While you're there, you can also put the current ADPs to work in our Mock Draft Trainer. That's available to you whether you're a DS Insider or not. So give it a spin for free. Once you actually join up, you can get the full effect of our projections. You can get your customizable MVP board that will help you in any draft format. I know Jared and I just finished using the MVP board to help us navigate the goofball format of the Scott Fishbowl draft. That's where the MVP board is great, too, because that's such a strange format that it's tough to you know just sort of... You know, dra- assess dra- value. Yeah, assess value, and the, the board really does that for you. Yep. You can also find us on Twitter. We are at DraftSharks. Jared is at SmolaDS. I am at ShaufDS. It's S-C-H-A-U-F. For Jared Smola and the rest of the DraftSharks crew, I'm Matt Schaaf saying thanks so much for swimming with us. Yeah.